0: This has been a uh, t- tough week uh, health-wise for me. Pollen has got me, And uh, I had NyQuil last night, so I'm preaching under the influence. <laughs> a little bit foggy. So if I say anything crazy today, it may have something to do with it. And I've got my water here in case uh, coughing erupts. Uh, but turn your Bibles with me to Acts, the fifth chapter. Acts, the fifth chapter. I want to speak to you about a question. Are you going to church for the wrong reason or reasons? Uh, there are many motivations for attending church. Some people believe that you have to attend in order to be a good Christian. Uh, it is ingrained in them as the way they were raised. It became the expectations that on Sunday morning you're in church. Uh, Various levels of commitment uh, emerge from that. Some people believe that every time the church doors are open, that they should be there. Some type of obligation. But you know, God blesses us for attending church for the right reason. And if you are attending for the wrong reasons, uh, the blessing is not there. But I also would like to introduce something this morning that we're going to explore as we open up Acts, the fifth chapter. Could it be dangerous to go to church for the wrong reason? There's actually a story in the Bible uh, that we're going to talk about this morning in the text about people motivated to make an impression on others. To somehow make a name for themselves in the church to gain the admiration of other people in the community, to become a leader, a power broker inside of the church, attending for the wrong reasons. There was a book written in 1991. The title of the book was The Day America Told the Truth. A lot of people read it. There was a lot of uh, conversations about it in talk circles What would you do for a million dollars, was the question in the book. What would you do? What would you compromise? What would you sell out for one million dollars? And there's a survey, an actual survey, a scientific survey, that was actually conducted as support of the book. According to that 1991 book written by James Patterson and Peter Kim. 25% 25% of those who responded in the survey, or were asked to respond in the survey, said they would abandon their family for a million dollars. If I, if, if I get a million dollars, I'll hit the road. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week. This is the actual survey, I'm not making this up. said they would forfeit their American citizenship for a million dollars. 10% said they would alter a testimony in a murder trial. 7% said they would murder a stranger. Wow. 3% said that for a million dollars they would put their children up for adoption. That is staggering, what was in this book. The day America told the truth. One of the things that we have to ask ourselves is our integrity for sale. Is there a price tag? Is our faith for sale? Is your eternity for sale? There's also a true story that happened back in the 1990s, early 1990s. Uh, It was actually a part of an article in a local news dispatch. Uh, The story was interesting that uh, this man and his date were at the KFC, and uh, they came in at shift change, and they ordered their meal, but unbeknownst to them, the uh, shift change that was going on inside the restaurant the deposit from the day before was placed in a KFC bag. And when they got their takeout order, they got yesterday's receipts for KFC. True story, it happened in Indiana. And uh, so this couple went to where they were going to have some wine and a picnic at the local park and when they opened up the bag to see what it was they had, they saw all kinds of money. Uh, about $2,500 worth of receipts. And so what are we going to do? And so this couple stopped what they were doing and went back to the KFC and turned the bag in with the receipts and an explanation. And the manager was ecstatic. I'm so glad you did this. I just can't believe somebody would have gotten $2,500 in a bag and, and brought it back. Uh, that's impressive. You've got to be the citizen of the year. I'm going to call the local newspaper. I'm going to tell the editor about this. This is a great story. The man says, no, please don't do that. The woman I'm with is not my wife. (laughs) Selective integrity. Let's read the story. Acts, the fifth chapter, verse one. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife, also being aware of it, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. That's the central quote in this passage. You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse 5, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Can you imagine this happening one Sunday morning in church? And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon the church, upon all those who heard these things. God bless the reading of his word. This is a cheery sermon, isn't it? (laughs) This is encouraging. This would be a great sermon about tithing, wouldn't it? That's usually what most people use this passage for, but they miss the overall thing. The story here is, is that these two, this couple, were concerned about their standing in the eyes of people in the community, About their standing in the eyes of the leadership of the church. But they thought they were just lying to men. When the reality was they were lying to God. Many people come to church every Sunday. And they're lying to God. They think they're just misrepresenting themselves to people. But in truth of the reality, they're lying to God. Let's stop here for a moment and have a word of prayer. Father, we do take seriously your word, and we know this account is in the scripture for a reason. Help us to discover it. Help us to be truthful to the context. Help us also to see that this is a self-examination time for all of us. Are we going to church for the wrong reasons? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this congregation. Father, just uh, speak to us this morning in this text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you uh, have your Bible open, uh, just prior to this text, in the fourth chapter, if you look at verse 36, it's very important to understanding what happened in the fifth chapter. It says, verse 36, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then our story, the story that we're looking at today, takes off. In other words, Ananias and Sapphira saw what praise Barnabas got and they said we're going to do the same thing you know a lot of churches will do these capital campaigns or these let's build a building and they make pledges and and that's exactly what's going here is the church is in its beginnings and so the idea is, is money is needed not for buildings but needed for the ministry and Barnabas has some money He has some prestige when it comes to economics. He comes and sells it and gives it what? All. And then somebody who didn't have quite as much money said, well, we'll lie about the price that we sold it for so that we can get some of the proceeds. And they're marching down the aisle to lay it at the altar. All eyes are on them. And they get their moment of glory. Even plan to do it in two sections. The husband's going to come first. Then for double the attention. The wife's going to come in. There's going to be this praise that's going to come their way. This admiration. Can you see this happening in the church? Sure it happens. You know, you ever been in one of those churches where there's a label on everything? Who gave something? And sometimes even the name of the church shows that it belonged to a prominent family. I we going to church for the wrong reasons. I've run into people that don't attend a church but refuse to allow you to take their name off the roll. You know how that is. There are some people who don't think there can be a committee unless they are on it. You know how that is. Are we going to church for the wrong reasons? Has this become a club, an organization where we're trying to impress each other? Or is it truly here to glorify the Lord and the work of the church? truth that this narrative, this account presents to us is that going to church can be dangerous if you're going for the wrong reasons. Now, am I going to suggest that if you come here and you're being hypocritical that, you, that somebody's going to drag you out here and bury you this afternoon? No, I'm not saying that. I didn't say it, it couldn't happen but I'm saying what we're saying is dangerous here is because you are dying spiritually and you are committing a homicide sometimes for others that are in the church. This is a premeditated sin of a husband and a wife. And it also points to this. Church is supposed to be motivated by the fear of God. The fear of God. In the modern church, I don't think it enters into the equation. People don't monitor their behavior, what they say, how they vote, how they respond to the preacher, how they respond to preaching. With a healthy fear of God. Now, could you imagine if if our behavior in church. If it were not completely focused on him. How God would point us out. Or when our giving didn't truly represent a sacrifice. What if. The blessings of God are conditional, and they are. Fear of God is missing in the modern church. It's been totally replaced by the idea of making good impressions on others. But the kind of faith that we're supposed to have, the kind of faith that is pleasing to God, the kind of faith that keeps you safe when you're in church, is introspection, confession, repentance. There was an opportunity at that moment when this man came and brought an offering and Peter, who's given discernment, that's not what he sold the property for. We see this. This is exactly what happens. God told him, Peter, you need to be wary. This is not what it's sold for. And he says something to the man says, Look, what did you sell it for? There was an opportunity. We had this premeditated desire to sin, but then, when questioned, what do you do? Lie again. Who did he lie to? Peter? Congregation? No, he lied to God. He thought all I had to do was lie. This goes away. He probably was startled. Somebody would ask him, what did you sell it for and not take me at my word? He probably got offended. That's exactly what I was it for. God knew. God knew exactly. Peter knew because Peter's been pulled into the council of God Almighty. But God knew exactly what was going on here. It's deception. This points to several things that we need to correct about our church attendance and why we go to church Going to be seen and applauded is never a right reason to go to church. Uh, They had bought into the lie that a church is a place that you come to make an impression on other people. That's not what matters. Which is more important, what God thinks or what the people sitting on the pew with you think? I think it's what God thinks, don't you? I mean, God knows what I give in the offering plate, whether it really represents the sacrifice. He knows whether I'm being intent and hungry when the word of God is presented. He knows whether when I'm singing, whether I really am involved or if I'm just here to be seen. For an accounting. To impress others. When uh, I was in seminary, and there was this daily ritual, the president's wife came in late to every chapel service. Every chapel service, she was fashionably late about five or 10 minutes. And she'd come down the back door and walk down the middle of the aisle, and it was a new dress, every particular thing, and a new hat. And she'd walk down the middle of the aisle and she'd sit down on the front pew. You know, I don't know what she thought that was going to accomplish, but I know one thing that it impacted uh, the audience is somebody feels like they're really important. If you came to be seen, if you came to be applauded and admired, you're coming for the wrong reason. And God can't bless you. You get your blessing. You got the applause. You got the turned head, the acknowledgement. But that's not the reason. Uh, The second reason, wrong reason to go to church, is going to make friends. It's never a right reason. Uh, One of the things that bothers churches and implodes churches, and is even spoken of in scriptures, is the establishment of cliques, little groups of friends who exclude others the establishment of cliques in the church is a pariah. There's more about that in the epistles. And one of the things that we need to understand when it comes to church, this is the correction for all of us, compatibility. I like everybody that's there, is weak theology. And it's weak church practice. It actually indicates that the church is not doing what it's supposed to do if we like everybody that's here. That they represent our friends. Sounds like we're not doing any outreach. But going to make friends is never a right reason to go to church. I'm going to go see my friends. I miss it when I'm not there to see my friends at church. That is not a right reason to attend church. Another reason, wrong reason for attending church is going to feel better about yourself. That's never a right reason. You don't go to church for an adjustment to feel better about who you are. That's why a lot of people leave disappointed when the truth of the gospel is presented because they came to feel better about themselves. Now they've got more to think about and to critique about their own life. Now they don't feel well. In fact, they feel convicted. And so this has been a negative experience. I don't want to go to church to feel bad about myself. I already feel bad about myself well, it's not a good reason to go to church to feel better about yourself. Because I told you, one of the things that's missing in the modern church and the thing that God corrects here in the early church is the fear of the Lord is missing. We're not here to shore up our self-esteem. We're here to shore up our God esteem, how important he is, how necessary he is, how in control he is, how he's the one we should be serving, gladly glorifying him. We didn't come to be seen, we come to see him, on and on. We come to church because we love Jesus and we love his people. And we're here to be shown who it is he wants us to love and to direct towards him. The truth that we found in this story is a redefinition in our minds. Definition perhaps that we've been working with is too shallow, too limited, and misses the mark. That's the word hypocrisy. People throw that around. I think it's one of the first religious words we learn in church. Quit being a hypocrite. You know? Say one thing and do another as if that were the definition of hypocrite. Hypocrisy is not lying to people. It's lying to God. And that is dangerous. dangerous to your spiritual health it's dangerous to your influence it's dangerous to the life of the church it's dangerous to the kingdom of God sin in this passage is to plot to appear more righteous than you really are hmm I haven't sold any property lately. So I don't have to lie about that. I wonder if being here and not really wanting to be here is a sin. Or being here and simply enduring it. Or treating church too lightly. Or the sermon as just an exercise every week that we have to endure in order to be seen by others as going to church. Are we really here because we want to be? You know, I could ask you that, and I just did. You can lie to me, but you can't lie to God and get away with it. He knows you. He knows the thoughts you're having right now. He knows what kind of limitations you've put on what you will do for the church. He knows bitterness, anger, resentment. He knows those things. To come to church is not to be perfect, but to be honest about who you are. To come before God and say, here I am. I'm here because I fear you. Knowing that you deal with me, you've chosen me, you've called me to salvation. And you're not going to let me get away with some things. You're going to hold me to a standard. I'm going to respond to you honestly. Not casually, honestly. But hypocrisy is not lying to people. It's lying to God. All heads bowed, all eyes closed for just a moment. Ananias and Sapphira experienced something other that happens occasionally in the life of the church. God used them as an example. God doesn't always respond in this way, but he had to establish very early in the life of the church a holy, healthy fear of him. And you know, when we give the invitation, many of us think that's the preacher trying to persuade us to come down. But God is working every Sunday in the hearts of people. Regardless of what the sermon was about, regardless of who fills the pulpit, because churches, the reason why we came is to meet with God and realizing that it is a holy moment that we're experiencing right now when we say, God, your word has been read. What is the application in my life? Not for the life of the person next to me. I can also tell you through the years, people have told me that they had a hard time responding to an altar call because they were afraid of what other people might think. Well, that's the first thing that you've got to get rid of. It doesn't matter what anybody else here thinks. It's God. Hypocrisy is judged first and foremost on your being honest with God. You can lie to me. You can put up a good front. But God knows where you're at right now. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you need to be praying for. He could be speaking to you right now. Father, I just ask you to have your way in this congregation. And Father, I just pray that you speak to their hearts the things that you want them to hear, and how you want them to respond. Your word has been read and it speaks. But also in our prayer life. The application is made with the Holy Spirit. And Father, we can. We can't get away with lying to you. That's dangerous. Because there could be a time in which. You no longer move with us. You have to act. and Father, I pray that we respond. As you. Give unction to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I just ask that uh, you continue to be with this congregation as we seek your will. Father, we thank you for the things that you did Monday night. Thank you for the things that you continue to do. And Father, I thank you for some of the people that uh, we're beginning to visit and the impact we feel like we're probably having. But Father, we, we more than anything need to see you do what needs to happen to us spiritually so that we'll be prepared for your move in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.